0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, what if you had a superpower and you didn't know it? And you go right through life and never use it? Or maybe you. Feel like more like where I might be. Yeah, you know you have a superpower, but you keep forgetting that you do. And so you don't take advantage of it, you don't use it. Uh, we're going to talk about something that's not superpower like that today, but something similar. And to illustrate this, let me share with you I, I, um, I enjoy car racing. I, I really, really do. In fact, go ahead and put the picture up there. If you would, Anthony? I mean, things like this, I see that and I just go, I love it. I, I, I'm, I don't watch all the racing, but I enjoy it, okay? I've I got my car out on the track a few times, and I just love driving as fast as I possibly can without wrecking my car. Um, and, and so I like it. But in Formula One, these cars, they have an engine that's smaller than the engine in my car, and it develops more than four times as many horsepower, over 800 horsepower out of this little engine that they got running there. But then they have a secret weapon, so to speak. It's called an energy reserve system where they have batteries that somehow rather capture. They capture from the heat energy and they capture from the mechanical energy, kinetic energy, and it stores it, and they are able, by pushing a button, to use that extra energy for up to 33 seconds every lap. And they can use that, push that button to, to you know, catch up with someone, or maybe they want to pass someone, you know, or maybe they're just in front and they're trying to get away. Okay? So, uh, but what if they f- didn't know they had the button? But they didn't know they had that, right? And they never, it would never do them any good, would it? It wouldn't make any difference, or if they just forget to use it, it wouldn't make any difference in their lives when, their lives, they're driving uh, when it ought to, how to make a big difference. And so let's go to the scriptures today and take a look at what it has to say about something similar to this in our lives. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's page 1312 that's in the Bible, that's in the chairs there, and we encourage you to follow along with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse one, Paul says, and as the spirit led him, and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And then he goes on down through the chapter and challenges them to think about how they're building their lives and what they're building their lives on and what they're building their lives with. But in these four verses, Paul is is really challenging what, actually in earlier chapters, if you remember, the Corinthians had divisions among them. In our in our setting it might be like this. Some people would say, oh well, I follow Walt, because he's the guy. Okay? And somebody says, oh no, I follow Dave. You don't understand Dave's my my guy. And and somebody else say, no, Anthony, he's the man. Right? And and but there was it wasn't just like personal preference, because obviously sometimes some some of you are going to not like me as well as you like Dave. And that's okay. And vice versa, right? And it doesn't matter. That's not the point. But that is, they were divided over this. It created divisions in in the church. And so Paul is challenging them about that. Uh, And and so he says this here. He he says, now, you're still acting like you're spiritual babies. You know, we have... um, (laughs) When, little, when babies are little and you have to change their diapers, does that surprise you? What if they're 12 years old? We would say, what, something's wrong, right? In other words, there are things that we should grow out of. And Paul here is challenging them, saying that they ought to be growing spiritually and becoming more mature spiritually so they don't do this division thing. That they, they understand what Jesus said about loving each other and about being one and all that matters there. He says, so you're still like, I, I can't talk to you as spiritual people, he says in verse 1, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And so Paul is actually has two, two ideas in these verses that would make us say we ought not be this way. Okay? And the first one he's saying, that approach to life is carnal. Carnal, what does carnal mean? Well, literally it means flesh. Okay, it's like this, flesh and blood, physical flesh. But the way it gets used in the the New Testament, and I think in other Greek outside the New Testament as well, is that it's uh, our human nature. Human nature. So when he says you are carnal, he's saying you're being governed by your human nature. You're being governed by what comes natural to you as a human being, and, and as opposed to, he says, you're not spiritual, in other words, as opposed to God's spirit, because what is to govern us? Is it to be what just ever comes natural to me? Is that what should govern me? But I mean, how often might you hear in our culture today, do what comes natural, right? And in some ways, that's, that's, there's, there's validity to that but not when it comes to the purpose of our lives and how we live those things out. And so he says, you're carnal. He says it, I think, three or four times here. (laughs) And he says it not like a good thing. We ought not to be carnal. Well, so let's, let's see a quick example of what this idea of the opposite of being carnal is. Go to the previous chapter, same page, and let's look at Verses 13 and 14. Paul says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? So, um, Something that we need to understand about the Christian life, and that's this, that the Christian life is not natural. It's supernatural. So let's talk about what we mean by this. I'm gonna put some diagrams on the screen up here, which many of you, maybe most of you have seen before, but it won't hurt us to think through these things again. We wanna look at what we're, how we are made up, and then how we are by nature, and then how we are after we get saved and what God's intent is for these things, okay? So let's go, Anthony. So the idea is that God created us and we are first and foremost spiritual beings. That is our identity. If you could see who the real Walt is, you know, all we can see is the outside, right? If you could see who the real Walt is, somehow you would see that I am a spiritual being, as are you. And this is true for people who know Christ or don't know Christ. We'll talk about that difference in a minute. But we are all spiritual beings. This is one of the ways in which we are made in his image, okay, that we are spiritual beings. Well, not only are we spiritual beings, we also have a soul, okay? So we're spiritual beings. That is the deepest core of our being. Then we have a soul, and that's our, our mind, our emotions, our our volition, our, words, our will, our, our decision-making, uh, and other things that would connect with this. Maybe we even put our personality in here. And it's hard for us to tell the difference between our spirit and our soul. It's hard for us to tell the difference, right? Because we don't see either of them, do we? But uh, God talks about it this way in in 1 Thessalonians. He says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body will be sanctified. Okay, So God makes a distinction. Hebrews chapter 4, he says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive, it's powerful, and it makes a distinction between soul and spirit, amongst other things. A distinction we wouldn't naturally make, but God makes the distinction. So it's important for us to understand this. So... I am a spiritual being. I have a soul. Okay? And then I live in a body. Alright? I'm not disembodied. I live in a body. And this body is how we interact with the physical world. Okay? Around us. It's how we communicate what's in our soul to those around us. Right? We, we uh, put facial expressions on. Right? To communicate how we're feeling. We use words and, and tones and all that and actions all that kind of stuff to interact with the world around us okay so that is the basic makeup of man now when adam and eve disobeyed god and sinned they died spiritually okay so remember god had told them the day that you eat the day that you disobey me and eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will die all right They did that, they disobeyed God, and they stood there in front of God here, breathing, living, but didn't God say they would die? He did, and they did die. This is how they died, they died spiritually, they became dead to God. And the immediate result is that it began, this death began to corrupt the soul, it began to work out and affect it how they, they thought. I mean, their very first thing, Uh, was to hide from God. Actually, they start hiding from each other and hide from God. This this dead spirit within them, uh, dead to God, very much alive to self, now is affecting everything else. It's working its way outward into their lives. And then one day, the body will die as well. See, the body would die. So when Adam and Eve sinned, Spiritually they died, their soul began dying, and one day their body in the future would die, okay? And so this is the situation for all of us, okay? We, we're really born spiritually dead, and then as we go through life, that, that corrupts the soul. We, man, it, it, I talk about this with... Um, who was it recently? I don't remember who it was, but... Uh, the idea being is that it's like everything gets knotted up. Have you ever had a knot that you wanted to unwind and, and then you, wow. you thought you had the ends and you pulled the string and what happened? The knot got worse. <laughs> well, that's the way we are, okay, we, with our, our soul. And so everything just gets worse. It doesn't matter how respectable it looks on the outside. It's, it's the reality that we our souls are affected, and then, of course, one day our body will die. Now, this is what we would call a natural man, okay, the natural human being. And when earlier when Paul says the natural man doesn't understand these things, it's because he can't, really. I mean, he has some level of understanding, but he doesn't have the level of understanding that's going to make the difference, okay? Uh, By the way, so much of man's religion is right here this is the way it goes the way it's lived out now if we die in this condition then we stay in this condition and the bible says that what we will face is the great white throne judgment of god and the second death which is a ongoing spiritual eternal death a place of torment so um This is not where we want to be, but this is where we all are by nature. Now, thankfully, I know it for me, uh, God working my life brought me to a place where I heard the gospel and finally understood it It finally clicked as he's working in my life and helping me to understand it. And on April 4th of 1975, I received Christ as Savior. So let's go to that next slide. This is what happened on that day. Just as surely as Adam died when he disobeyed God and we are born spiritually dead, The moment I received Christ as Savior, I became alive in my spirit. He changed everything there. You know why? Because He moved in. God Himself moved into that deepest core of my being, and He changes everything there. Okay? we, We talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about we were already saints. You remember? We're already made holy. We are righteous. We are are, are loving like God wants us to be. Uh, We have the right attitudes and the right desires. And all of that is deep inside of us, deep down inside. And that's why, how many of you can say with me that it didn't have to be huge miracles or anything, but you can remember that when you received Christ as Savior, that you just knew something significant had changed. How many? Right? Yeah. We knew it. Even if we couldn't explain it or put a finger on it. And then what happened is that we were born again. We were born of the Spirit. God Himself moved inside. And and I like to use this word because it's so true. He profoundly changed us forever. He changed our eternal destiny. The sins have been paid for. The guilt is done. Okay? That is good news, isn't it? And by the way, this happened because Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world and lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross as he did. God took that, all the guilt and uh, the penalty for our sins and placed it on his Son as he died for us. And he paid the penalty in full so that when we put our faith and trust in him, this is what happens. We come alive because God himself has moved in. And that ought to be good enough news to keep us going for a while, shouldn't it? I don't know. I'm not confident that you guys are thinking that's such good news. I I know that you do. But it's easy when you're just sitting and listening to get into it. it. Happens to me sometimes when I'm talking, too. So, all right. So God moved in. But that's not all that happened is God also took us and put us into him into christ and there are multiple multiple things that are true about us because we are in christ in other words this is a union and i, I did not know how to show that on the screen but it's it's union with god forever from now on union with god all right and so because this is true, he's changed us on the inside, he's moved in, and he has put us into him as well, then we see that this soul, which, you know, was dying and being corrupted, to go to the next slide there, Anthony, now begins living, because this new life on the inside can begin working its way outward, into our choices, into our thinking, into, which then affects our feelings, and uh, it just begins to change everything. Now... These diagrams can make it look like it's just automatic. And there is a sense in which it's automatic. In other words, the process begins. But if we were charting, it would be up and down, wouldn't it? Up and down, you know, in times we do well, in times we don't do so well. But it's, a, it's an ongoing process. And if we were going to graph how we're doing, even though you have ups and downs, what you would find is that down the line, over here, you're higher than you were here. You're closer to the Lord. You're more in shape like the Lord. You're, you're, what's in your soul is more and more lining up with what's true in your spirit. Okay? So he works on us and helps us to make progress. And then, of course, one day the body will live. We, this body's still subject to death, but we're gonna, it, when it dies, one day Jesus is going to raise it. A whole lot better than it is now. Okay? Stephen, that's good news for you, isn't it? Any of you who have issues that will not let up on you, that's good news. Someday it's a new body. Okay? So just as when we were dead spiritually and our soul was being impacted, and of course our body subject to death uh, with no real hope, we said that's the natural condition. So this is the supernatural condition. Super meaning over and above or beyond beyond just what's natural, okay? Now, Paul says to them, when you are not living in a way that makes sense, biblically, you're not living in a way that makes sense with who you are as a Christian, and understand these things, he says you are carnal, okay? And and so this is the idea. What we see here is that indeed, we have been born again, but we're still living like we're not. Right? We aren't thinking like people who are genuinely saved. We're not thinking like people who have been profoundly changed deep within. We're still thinking natural ways. We're still, yeah, we haven't, we haven't really, maybe we don't know, maybe we haven't believed and trusted or whatever. And he says that's a carnal approach to life. You're living... For all practical matters, you're living as though you're unsaved. By the way, th- th- let me say to you that if you can live like you're unsaved and not be bothered by it, it may be that you're not saved. Okay? I mean, I can't make that judgment about you. But if it just doesn't matter to you. Because here's the deal. When someone has been saved, and, but they try to live unsaved, there's always a tension. There's always a problem. There's always a contradiction. Because deep inside, that's not who you are. Deep inside, you have been changed. You've been born again. And, but if you don't live that way, and you don't learn to think that way, and you aren't responding that way, there's always going to be a struggle. And so if you find yourself with that struggle, first of all, that's good news, because it probably means you're saved. Secondly, Stop struggling and start surrendering to God in those things. And by the way, that could go through multiple issues in the Word, right? That you need to to choose to surrender to. Okay? By the way, let me just let you on. Here's our future destiny, okay? A future destiny. There's no sin at all. Isn't that good news? No sin at all. You know, when I got saved, the penalty of sin was removed from me. And, and as I grow in him, the power of sin is being, you know, I'm overcoming that. And then one day, no, pre- no presence of sin. No presence of sin. Come on, guys, that's a good thing. There's no physical presence, of problems of sin, none of that kind of stuff. So this is our future destiny. So let's look here in the scripture. Go back, because I told you there were two things, and one is carnal, but this second one, is just over six weeks ago, I, was, I started working through First Corinthians, actually longer than that ago, but six weeks ago I came across this passage, and I saw something that I don't know if I had ever seen before. I mean, I've, I've read it all, so I've seen it, but I don't know if it ever clicked with me like it has now. Verse 3, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, Strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal? And get this. And behaving like mere men. And I read that and I, I thought about that and I said, what? Well, first of all, so the idea is that I guess as Christians we're not mere men. We're not mere women. We're not mere human. Well, there's something in this verse that made me wonder what it really meant. And that's the fact, is in looking at your Bible and behaving like mere men, is is mere in italics? Is mere in italics in your Bible? Some of you? Yeah, yeah, Uh, some some Bibles aren't set up to show that, uh, but the King James, New King James certainly are. What that means, it's not for emphasis. (laughs) What that means is that word mere is not actually in the the original text in in where it's translated from. That doesn't mean it's translated wrong. And what translators have to do is they have to look at the words, look at what's being said, understand the context, try to figure out what what was the author trying to say here. What did he mean by what he said? Well, literally, the Greek says this, walking around like men. He says, aren't you carnal? And walking around like humans is the idea. You're walking around like humans. Okay, well, I am human, so what's the big deal? All right, well, it's interesting. We're, just, we're going to look at a few other translations here because all of those people translating try themselves trying to capture what was the point of that. Because once again, am I human? Yeah. Uh, thank you, I appreciate you guys affirming that for me. I am human. Uh, and so if I'm walking around like a human, what's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal in the context, help us to know this. So the New International Version says, you're acting like mere humans. They grabbed that idea. New American Standard says that you're walking like ordinary people with the implication that you're what? You're not ordinary, okay? Uh, The English Standard Version, you're behaving only in a human way uh, with the implication what? We ought not to be behaving only. In a human way. And the New Living Translation says, aren't you living like people of the world? Which you are not. A people of the world anymore. Because you belong to Jesus. Right? And so what we're getting pointed to here is this supernatural life that we have. Go ahead, Anthony. Go to that. Remember, this is the supernatural life. I, so we are fully human. Okay, we are. But we have something more, don't we? And that is God himself living within. And so when Paul says not, you are not mere men, this is what he's talking about. Go ahead, Anthony, go to that if you would. So we are not mere men. We're not mere humans. We are more. Now, don't go out in the world and, and start talking and say people and say, you're only human, but not me. <laughs> I've got a superpower. No. No, we're not talking about that. But the reality is, is that you are not merely human anymore. Because your spirit has been forever united with God himself. And so you are fully human. But there's more. You have that button you can push. And I don't mean in a way you use God, but I mean it's available to you. That you need to remember. Yes. And so this idea. Only human? Not. You're not only human. Alright, so what does this mean in our lives? Think about this. The implications. So when you became a Christian. Go ahead and go two for four there. When you became a Christian, you are no longer merely human. Uh, because first of all, the God of the universe resides in you. And, and that is amazing. I, I, it's hard to... How many of you in here... Are interested in science stuff when you read about how things work. Anybody besides me? You you read it and it's so amazing and the more they learn, the more complex things are, yet simple in their complexity and all this. And you you more and more and more say, wow, there's no way in the world this all happened by some random chance accident. There has to be a God behind this. Okay? And guess what? He's pretty smart, isn't he? And he's pretty powerful, isn't he? And when you receive Christ as Savior, He lives in you. You see, not merely human. The God of the universe resides in you. And your core nature has been forever changed. It's not going back. Like I said, you can live in tension with it and you can fight it, and, but it's not going back. Which is a good news thing. Okay, uh, You're enabled now to make better choices because of that. You aren't... Uh, under the dominion of sin and the spiritual powers of darkness where you can't make a better choice. You can make better choices. And and your life is eternally significant. Eternally significant. And as harsh as this sounds, when Jesus talked about hell, there were times when he used the word for hell that was also used for the the garbage dump that they were continually burning to deal with and so it smolder and smoke would go up and he would use that word when he, to refer to hell and so that tells me that they reach a point when we if we reject Christ we refuse to accept him we say no to what he wants to give to us and we never receive Christ as savior that Eventually, we are no longer significant by our own choice, because we—that's the, the, where he put—he put in the garbage. That's a hard thing for me to think of. I—I'm being real honest with you. But those are the words. But when you receive Christ, you become eternally significant. And you're part of God's plans and all this kind of stuff. So let's just get real practical here. Just some examples of what this might mean in your life. You know, Paul is in essence saying, stop living like you're merely humans. So stop living like you're merely human. First, don't fear death. You have no reason to fear death. I'm not a huge fan of dying. I don't like death when I help other people walk through it. It's just not what God's original intent was. It's, it's an ugly thing. But you know what? When I die... It's good news. Paul said, for me to die is what? Gain. Gain. You know, he also wrote, hey, when we lose loved ones, we sorrow, but we don't sorrow like what? People who have no hope. You see, because we are not merely human. We aren't like those people who have no hope. We have hope. And so, Don't fear death. Don't worry about your basic needs being met. Uh, You know, Jesus said, if you'll seek me and my kingdom and my righteousness first, he says, I will add all that stuff to you. I'll provide what you need to do what I want you to do. Okay? Paul says, my God will supply all your need as you follow him and do what he wants you to do. Number three, don't be controlled by guilt and shame. You know, don't be controlled by that. Is it natural? And like, this is one of those things where natural is not all bad. Is it natural to feel guilty when you sin? Sure. Should you stay feeling guilty? Or should you say, no, no, wait, Lord, I confess this to you. This, is, this isn't what I want. That isn't right. I know it's, I, I bring it to you, and I turn to you. And he says, I got you. And it cleans up, and we do not have to go forward from there feeling guilty. Feeling shame. Once again, yeah, there's things in our lives, when we sin, if, if all of a sudden other people knew, would we feel shame? Yes. Yeah, okay, we'd feel some shame. But again, the idea is, I don't have to live there. Because here's the tr- reality, that if you were able to somehow rather sit down and watch a video of all of my sin, yeah, I would feel shame, but you know what? I'm okay. Because God knew all about that way before you did. And he loved me, sent a Savior, and has accepted me. Right? Such good news. Okay? So don't be controlled by guilt and shame. Yeah, it comes. But man, turn to the Father. Just like I think if Adam and Eve, if they had just, oh God, what did we just do? (laughs) And had run to God instead of going into hiding. See, but that's what sin does to you. All right, so stop living like you're merely human. Number four, don't be controlled by what others think of you. You know, the Bible talks about the fear of man. You know, don't be afraid of of people because that's a a trap in your life. Uh, And then Hebrews, the author says that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? (laughs) Right? Right? There's nothing that man can do to me to change my eternal destiny or my relationship with God. So, I like you to like me. I don't like it when you don't like me. But if you don't like me, and it's like this I haven't done anything necessary, I mean, I haven't, you know, and you just don't like me, what do you know? I'm being serious there. What do you know? Because God, who knows me way better than you do, is okay with me. Right? And my issues he's working on. So, doesn't matter. All right. Uh, Number five, love people sincerely and sacrificially. You're able to do that because no longer is self at the center of your whole core of your being. You can actually do something different, which is why the Lord calls upon us to love, right? To love like he loved to love sacrificially. Number six, trust God to work in your life for genuine good. We, we all like this verse, for we know that all things, say it with me, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. That's us. He works for genuine good. By the way, that doesn't necessarily mean He works for what you currently think is good. He works for what He knows is genuinely good in your life. And the biggest part of that is going to change you to be more like Jesus. Yep. By the way, becoming more like Jesus is much more important than having money. I need money. Yeah, but you need to become like Jesus more. So I'm gonna, God says, I'm going to let you struggle with money for a while because you need to become more like Jesus. Right? Health issues, relate, whatever. Okay? Trust God to work in your life for genuine good. Uh, number seven, devote your whole life to knowing and serving Christ. Uh, that sounds like a crazy thing to the world around you. To those people who are merely human, that sounds like a, a crazy way to live. Why would you say my whole life is about serving the Lord? I have a job, and that's about serving the Lord. I have a family, that's about serving the Lord. I have money, that's about serving the Lord. I have these possessions, that's about serving the Lord. It's, about, it's all about serving Him, and that's the bottom line for my decision-making when it comes to these things. And the world says, you're crazy, right? But God says something certainly way more different. Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider it all to be rubbish so that I may know him, right? And Jesus said through all this, he says, I am with you always. Not occasionally? <laughs> no, I'm with you what? have yeah, more than the front row. I'm with you what? Always. He's always there with us. So it makes sense. Let's give our lives for that. Be willing to suffer for serving Christ. You know, whether that's persecution from somebody else or difficulties that come in your life. Man, Jesus made it so clear. He talks about blessed are you when people persecute you and they, they say bad things about you because of your relationship with me, whatever. He says, that's a good thing. And we go, huh? And then he says, rejoice. And he says, be exceedingly glad. I mean, he's making a point. He says, because when you suffer for your relationship with me and serving me, he says, great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. And the Apostle Paul then says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with what it's going to be like in heaven and glory. Which then, number nine, look forward to eternity with Christ. And by the way, when you're looking forward to eternity with Christ, it has a way of changing how you look at today. It has a way of changing how you look at right now. So, are you only human? You're not. If you have received Christ as Savior. And if you haven't ever settled that issue, you are merely human. And your destiny is not good. Let me encourage you, please. In fact, right now, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes here for a minute. If you're here today and you're thinking, yeah, I don't think I have ever settled that issue of receiving Christ as Savior, you're watching and you've never done that, Or maybe you're listening later and you haven't ever really settled that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Remember that you were separated from God because of your sin and that sin nature within you. Jesus loves you. He died to pay the penalty for your sins and rose again. And if you will acknowledge that, yeah, you're a sinner in need of a Savior and believe that Jesus is that Savior, you can put your trust in him and you can be born again and no longer be merely human. And so if you haven't done that, let me I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna encourage you to pray along with me. And It's not about these specific words, it's about you connecting with God sincerely from your heart and mind. But say something to God like this. Say, dear God, I can see that I have sinned against you, that I'm spiritually dead, I don't have a relationship with you. My sins have separated me from you. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. I believe he died for my sin and rose again. And right now, I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my faith in Jesus to provide forgiveness for my sins. And to give me his life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. you can look up. Let me encourage you. If you prayed that with me today, would you please let me know? I really want to connect with you and help you to understand the things that we're talking about here. Okay? We'd really like to help you with that. Same thing if you're watching. uh, You know, send me a message. I'd love to connect with you about it. Now, here's the reality. So we're only human, not. But doesn't it sometimes seem like it? Sometimes it seems like it. You know? So what needs to happen? You know, find stuff I just, I know, I'm living it, it just doesn't seem like it's, I, I can't seem to get this together, whatever. That's, first of all, you can't do this in your own strength. You've got to go to God and say, here I am, God. I need you to do this work in my life. It's beyond me to do it on my own. You cooperate, and your role is in Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, okay? You begin thinking this way. You begin um, reading the word and trying to understand what it means in your life. You begin trying to make um, decisions on that basis. You connect with other Christians on purpose because you you know you need that relationship. and, And more and more, you keep doing that, God will transform you. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. But it's always real. It's always real. Father, we come to you again. and I thank you, Lord, for those who hopefully today someplace have, have received your son as Savior. I pray, Lord, that they will reach out to me so that I can help them experience this life that we're talking about. I pray, Father, as we go out from here this week, that we're going to forget, I know, Lord, but along the way, I pray your spirit would prompt us, remind us that we are not merely human, but that you yourself reside in us. And that changes everything. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week. Next Sunday is July the 4th. I hope that you will try to make it a point to come here and worship with us before you go do whatever else you do on that day, if you can, all right? I love you guys.